This week we are excited to kick off a new series that we have simply entitled Love Where You Live. Love Where You Live. If, the, if there's anything that we saw a wonderful picture of this past Sunday, it was people coming out to love their neighbors, people coming out to love their community. And God has planted each and every one of us specifically where he has us for a purpose. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident, the family that you've, you've been placed in. It's not an accident, the, the workplace that you have. God has planted you exactly where you are for his purposes and for his plan. And as we come to this place in life of understanding what God is doing in the midst of our moments, it's important for us to understand uh, that he's placed us there. You know, many of us tend to believe that the the importance of the mission of God is done by giving to missions and sending people across the globe to do work. And, and perhaps for you, it's, it's maybe even going on a short-term missions trip to a distant country and, and serving there. And those are important things. Those are important outpourings of love and service. But often the greatest ministry impact we can have is right here in our own community. It's right here in our own context. See, a lifestyle of love where you live encourages us to serve and love others right where we are and to view life's little interruptions as opportunities, just like Jesus did. We're going to dive into a passage of Scripture today and, and see how Jesus encountered interruptions and interactions in his life and in his ministry and to see the amazing things that he was able to do you know, I think we all enjoy a good joke, right? We can all, we, we, you know, some, some say that laughter is the best medicine. And I just thought, you know, in, a, in an effort to get us warmed up, Grant was a little disappointed in, in our efforts of, of responding to his good morning. I thought this morning maybe we could start out with a few jokes. Everybody loves a good knock-knock joke, right? Of course you do. You're going to like it and you're going to enjoy it today but we're going to try a few of these out you know how these work so when i say say knock knock you know we we know how this this whole thing plays out and these are out of a good housekeeping article entitled funny knock knock jokes for kids with hilarious families that's the actual title of the article i like to think gretchen and i have a hilarious family and we've we've blessed our kids with that um that may or may not be the truth but let's go let's give this a go what shall we so, knock, knock. Yeah. That's way better than the first service. Beats. Beats me. Huh? No? Okay. How about this one? Knock, knock. Weekend. We can do anything we want. I mean, it is Labor Day weekend after all. Knock, knock. Goat. Go to the door and find out. <laughs> All right, that one was that was rough. This was our this was our kids' favorite one when they were little. They they come back from, you know, from school and say, "Mom, Dad, we got a we got a knock knock joke." Oh, here we go. So they say, "Knock knock," interrupting cow, moo, <laughs> and you're just like, mm. walked right into that one. But none of us really enjoys interruptions in life. 
much like the interrupting cow. And the interruptions of life come from every angle. For us, it was our kids. You know, we would be in the midst of a, a wonderful, sometimes important conversation, and our kids would come up, Mom and Dad! And we're like, kids, you know. And so we finally got to the place where we were able to teach them, hey, when you see Mom and Dad talking, you say, excuse me. And then when we acknowledge you, then we can have a conversation. So they got half of that equation. They got the excuse me part, but then they would just interrupt right into the conversation. It's like, no, you're kind of missing, anyways, missing the point. But we don't like interruptions. They, they, they tend to distract us from our plans. They, they occupy our attention. And they often derail our plans in life. And we don't like it. We don't like interruptions because they're things that happen that are outside of our control. And if we're all honest, we're a little bit control freaks in different areas of our lives. And most of us likely view interruptions and distractions as something that serve to keep us from our greatest priorities. We make all these wonderful plans and then they get interrupted. And we see interruptions as a negative component of life that we just have to deal with. But what would happen if we began approaching our day truly prioritizing God's plans and purposes and began to see the interruptions of life as opportunities to be used to love and serve people for His glory? What if the interruptions of life became opportunities to be used for God's glory? So we're going to spend some time in Matthew chapter 8 today. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there with me. If you don't, you can jump on the Version Bible app and all the notes and, and uh, Scripture references are there. And this is a little bit of a lengthy passage that we're going to read the majority of, so just stick with me. But in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the, and the centurion replied, Lord, I, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the least with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside to the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done as you believed it. And his servant was healed at that moment. And when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, healed all the sick. 
This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. And when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Jesus was tired. It's amazing. And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the, bury, the, the dead bury their own dead. And then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful. God, we're thankful that you engage the interruptions of life, that you step in to the interruptions of life. Jesus, you invited the interruptions. You invited the interactions. You invited the opportunities to minister to people. God, we ask that you would help us to, to see the interruptions of life as opportunities to be used by you for your glory. So we ask, God, that you change our ways of thinking. You'd help us to step back from the busyness of life that keeps us running and running and running and missing sometimes your purposes. Father, we love you and we're so grateful that you've called us your children and that you desire to fulfill your perfect plan through each and every one of us. Speak to us today, we ask, through your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What an amazing brief picture of Jesus' ministry. It seemed like anywhere he went, he was interrupted. He was distracted. He, was, he was, had people coming up to him at every angle saying, I need this. Can you do that? Can you heal this? Can you fix that? Can you minister to this person in my life? And Jesus never said no. He never pushed people away. He never sidestepped an opportunity to love and serve people. See, the, the interruptions of life should serve to redeem our plans and reveal God's glory. They should serve to redeem our plans because if we're honest, our plans are ours. We have all these priorities and these dreams and these things that we want to see happen in our lives, but they don't often line up with God's plan and His purpose. And so we find ourselves striving and straining and running after these things in our lives only to, to find God's plan and purpose to be elusive because our focus is on the wrong thing. But we can see the interruptions of life not only as a way to reveal, redeem our plans and, and bring us into alignment with God's purpose, but also to reveal His amazing glory. See, Jesus had just come down from the mountain where He had been, been teaching. And in Matthew chapter 5 through, verse, or through chapter 7, he had been up on the mountain and he had been teaching and teaching and teaching. Most scholars believe for, for several days. So, admittedly, he was probably tired. He was 
probably a little bit worn out. And not only is he being followed by a crowd, we can see that in Matthew 8, verse 1, but in this passage and throughout his earthly ministry, we see Jesus interrupted by people at every turn. Just in this brief passage, a a man with leprosy asks to be cleansed and Jesus obliges him. Next we see Jesus return to Capernaum and an army commander, a centurion, asks Jesus to, to, to heal his servant. And with only a word, Jesus does. And then they go to Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law is, is ill and not feeling well. She's running a fever. And seeing this, Jesus heals her. He wasn't going to Peter's house to heal his mother-in-law. He's going to Peter's house to spend time with him. And then as, as, it, as it became evening, word was getting out. Jesus is in the zone, baby. He's healing people. He's fixing stuff. He's delivering people from demon possession. He's doing it, man. So if you need help, and so the crowd is just coming around him, and he's finding himself in this place where everyone is coming at him and needing something. And what does the passage say in verse 16? And Jesus responded to all the sick. And then finally we see Jesus awakened from a nap. <laughs> he's, he's, being, he's being overtaken by the crowd. And so what does he need to do? He's tired. He needs to get away. So they jump on the boat and they're heading a, across the lake and the storm kicks up. And Jesus lays down to take a nap. Why? Because he's pooped you ever just needed to sit down and take a nap you ever just needed to take a moment and just just kind of like let me just shut my eyes for a second my mom called them power naps they're like you know 15 minutes long i don't understand how that helps i I, I lay down and i get i wake up lethargic anyways that's a bunny trail but jesus is awakened from a nap He's tired and he's trying to get some sleep and they interrupt him again. And he addresses the wind and the waves and calms the storm and then looks and says, where's your faith? See, each each time Jesus listens and responds to the needs that are around him, he doesn't sidestep. He doesn't go, oh, nope, you don't deserve it today. I'm not going to help you out. Or "Ah, I'm just getting a little bit tired, so maybe, maybe I'll take care of you tomorrow. Okay, right now I need to... No, he ministered to all the needs. But why is it that we tend to place such a high value on our plans, on our time? And we rarely have space for what God may be doing in the midst of a moment or perhaps even an inconvenient interruption. See, Jesus was repeatedly interrupted. Probably inconveniently. I know the nap was probably, that was an inconvenient one. But Jesus was constantly interrupted. And he never shied away from an opportunity to serve. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, we have plans and we have priorities and we have things that we want to see happen in our lives. But at the end of the day, it's God's plan and purpose that is most important.
See, we have to be willing to surrender our best plans to truly embrace and step in to God's perfect purpose. Because your best plans on your best days pale in comparison to God's perfect plan. His perfect purpose for your life and mine. And oftentimes that means we have to be willing to say yes to God's plan in the very place that He's planted us. Not going away to a distant country, not traveling across the world, but saying yes to what God is desiring to do through our lives right here. God's glory will be revealed when we're willing to be interrupted for His purposes. See, to love and and serve others, you, you have to be willing to be interrupted. You have to. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly be crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. You ever had those people in your life? You're just getting ready to walk out the door. Hey, could you uh, just give me a second? I wanted to talk to you about the... There's a clear difference between allowing our lives to be interrupted by the things of God and allowing interruptions of our own making to steal our time. There's a difference between allowing God to interrupt our lives and constantly being inundated by our our own interruptions. See, we we should probably ask ourselves sometimes, why we're so easily distracted with one more show on Netflix or Hulu or your favorite streaming you know, device. Or scrolling endlessly through Instagram or Facebook. But we're irritated by a person who needs to talk when we need to get out the door. Why is that? Why is that we that we can watch hours of TV and and have hours of, of of entertainment flood into our focus, but it's hard for us to set aside 50 min, 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour to pray, to seek God's face. Jesus showed us that that people are a priority, and that we should place the same value on people, even in the course of our busy lives when we're struggling with the, the, the stuff of the day. See, the Great Commission to go and make disciples can often best be achieved in a willingness to stay. To stay where God's placed us. In this, in this next chapter, this next section of of, of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has arrived at a, at a new destination. And certainly there's good reasons to travel to different places to minister. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. We see it in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the Great Commission. But Jesus doesn't say, don't worry about loving and serving the people around you, just go. He doesn't, he doesn't say, forego sharing the gospel to those people who are immediately surrounding you so that you can go reach the people in that distant country. If anything, we see Jesus allowing Himself to be interrupted by those people who are right there in His immediate context. 
shows up at Peter's house. Peter's mom's got, got, got a fever. And he doesn't walk in and go, hey, Peter, how's it going? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh, we're not doing that today. And walk out. He's not like, ah, you got flu-like symptoms? That's not been a good thing the last two years. I'll come back in a week and she's feeling better. I'll, I'll Uber Eats you some, some soup to make sure she's okay. It's not what Jesus did. He walks over, touches her hand, and heals her. But of course, the idea of grand adventure, of grand mission work, and all these things, it's appealing. Even, the, even the, the, there's an appeal for what we did last Sunday where we come together in a, a united vision to serve our community and we come alongside of one another and we do something incredible that's bigger than ourselves. That's appealing. It feels Instagram-worthy to, you know, to document the, the new and interesting things that are happening. For many of us, the idea of, of helping in an area of the world that's struggling is attractive. But there's a, there's a value to doing that. However, going out or going away isn't always the best answer. Often the most effective ministry a follower of Jesus will have is loving and serving their own community right where they are. The family, the, the neighborhood, the workplace, the school, the community in which God has planted you is your greatest mission field. Do we realize that? Your extended family, those people that don't know Jesus, that are not serving God, they're your mission field. Those people that you, that you work with at, at work who are struggling to find hope, that's your mission field. Students, those, those, those kids that you sit in class with who are struggling through identity issues and, and figuring out who they are as a person, they, those are your mission field. C.S. Lewis wrote, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life. The life God is sending one day by day, what one calls one's real life, is a phantom of one's own imagination. Why is it that we see them separated? Oh, well, let me just, you know, really quickly take care of this issue so I can get back to the, the, the real important stuff. So I can get back to my real life. Oh, let me just pray with this person real, real quickly so I can get back to the important priorities of life. Why do we see it that way? Why don't we see the interruptions? Why don't we see those things as the real purpose that God has for your life and mine? See, if you're willing to embrace the value of where you are currently, you can be confident that God is at work in even the most mundane or ordinary moments of life. God's working. And there should be no contradiction between the spiritual and the secular life. God can and does work outside of church-directed service opportunities. 
He wants to work in your every day. As great as this, this past Sunday was in the context of, of loving and serving people in our church and in our community, if the only time we love and serve people is through church events, we've completely missed what it means to be used by God to love people where we live. John 13, 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he, and he kneels down and begins washing their feet. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. If you fast forward one more verse, Jesus then predicts his betrayal as he's preparing to go, through, go to the cross. <laughs> Have you ever noticed, though, that, that Jesus didn't skip anybody in the, in the whole feet washing thing? He wasn't like going along and he's like, here you go, Peter, okay, Andrew, guys, okay, oh, Judas, um, <laughs> I'm going to come back to you in a second. We're going to have a little chat. I'm going to go ahead and forego the, the foot washing for you. No, that's not what he did. He washed all of their feet. So who has God placed in your context who's perhaps not worthy to be served or loved? They're not worthy of the foot washing. Who is it that God has placed in your path who's probably just pretty darn hard to love? See, nowhere in Scripture do we, do we have an option to pick and choose who it is we're called to serve. We don't get that option like, yes, yes, <laughs> no, yep, yep, yeah, definitely not. No, God has called us to love without exception. Jesus loved without exception. And accomplishing the plan and purpose of God begins with a willingness to embrace to whom it is we're sent. God is calling us to love where we live. Would you stand to your feet this morning? God, we are so thankful for the opportunity that you give us to love people. God, you showed us what perfect love looks like. And for that, we say thank you. We, we say thank you for sending your son to die on a cross so that we could have life and life more abundant, so that we could understand what it means to be forgiven, so we could be redeemed for your purposes and your plans. Help us not to get wrapped up in the busyness of life, God, but instead to see life's interruptions as opportunities to be used of you. Father, we're so th thankful that you didn't give up on us. And you call us not to give up on others. You call us to love and serve people selflessly and without exception. 
forgive us for the areas we've fallen short. Forgive us for not seeing people with the same value that you see them. No longer can we just say, well, we love you, God, and that's enough. Jesus said, they will know you by your love. They will know you are my disciples by your love. Help us to reflect you. Help us to show your love. Help us to point people to you by the way that we love and serve them. Father, we need your help. We can't do it on our own. We ask that your Holy Spirit would empower us each and every day to love people with a God-like love that doesn't change because they hurt us or because they speak ill against us or because they betray us right after we get done washing their feet. Help us, Father, we ask. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I want to do that. I want to allow God to interrupt my life. If that's you today, would you just raise your hands and say, God, help me. Help me to be that, those who, who, who would be willing to say yes to your purpose, to, yes to your plan, yes to, to that thing that you're wanting me to do or say or be for that person that you've placed in my path. Help me, God, to be interruptible. Knowing that in the midst of that moment, you're about to do something incredible. We say yes, God, to your plans and to your purpose.